0: we begin this series called dress for success finding true victory over the powers of darkness somebody say true victory you know I believe this is what I believe about God I I believe he wants us to experience bona fide everybody said bona fide bona fide validated uh, certified victory consistent victory over the powers of darkness in our life. I really believe that. I don't believe that it's right for God's people to stumble bum through life. You know, uh, you know. some people think the Christian life is like baseball. You win some, lose some, and some are rained out. The Christian life should not be like baseball. You know, I watch a little baseball. I'm a semi Rangers fan. They're doing pretty good. You know, and I watch them when they lose, you know, and I hate to lose, and I know they hate to lose, but I also realize they know they're not going to win them all. But, you know, from a Christian perspective, we ought, to, we ought to lift the bar a little bit. We ought to realize that, hey, Christ died on planet Earth and paid a great price for us so we could be victorious over the powers of darkness. And when's not, you can say amen. All right, you want me to start over? Yeah, Yeah, I got the victory living in me too. Hallelujah! Come on, hey, he died so we can have consistent victory over the powers of darkness. And when hey, if I had time, we could read so many passages of scriptures where the they overcame in Revelation. This is the prophetic sign of the end. They overcame him. That is the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So, so we ought to be living in a whole new level of victory, not stumble bumming through life, but finding some great victory. I spoke to one of our uh, folks that are here tonight that I've been talking to about some areas. He's, man, I'm doing great. Things are going well. I'm getting the victory over these areas in my life. Amen. That's the way it ought to be. Somebody say amen. And so look at your neighbor and say, I've got the victor living in me. Amen. So we begin this series uh, and, uh, from Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to just rehearse a little bit of just the titles of what the guys shared with you. It begins in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the craftiness or the tricks of the devil. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all, somebody say all, all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And everybody said amen. What a great passage of scripture that gives us some insight about walking in a whole new level of spiritual victory. It's, co- it's what we call the armor of God. Uh, and, and it's very, it's just a great illustration. And all these teachers did a great job. Let me just kind of go through. I began the series by talking about the, I gave you a little intro info and then I talked about the belt of truth. And then Josh Trevino, my son in law, and our, uh, uh, my, uh, they work in our children's church. Uh, he talked about the breastplate of righteousness. How many of you know that uh, uh, we're not righteous in and of ourselves, but he gave us his righteousness? Amen and a powerful uh, 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 truth to realize that we are covered, we can cover ourselves with the righteousness of God. And then Cade Newton talked about the shoes of the gospel of peace. He did a great job. Uh, Cade, is that the first time you ever talked in a a church format? That's awesome. He did it. That's phenomenal. And let me stop and say, one of the reasons that that we're here tonight and one of the, the call of God on my life is not just so I can get up and talk to you all the time, but but for the purpose of allowing God's men and women to find their place and grow in Christ and be more of what God's calling them to be, to be able to exercise their gift and get better at what they do for the glory of God. And so great job, Cade, uh, on the shoes of peace. And then the shield of faith. Kobe, uh, Kobe lifted his hand a few moments ago. He talked about the shield of faith, uh, and I just got some great insight from him uh, and enjoyed listening to him. It was wonderful. And then the helmet of salvation by Ryan, who's with our youth tonight, and then the sword of the Spirit. Trent did a wonderful job last week talking about the sword of the Spirit, uh, and tonight I'm going to conclude uh, talking about the power of prayer. But let's give these other guys a big hand, even though some of them aren't able to be here tonight. Let them know we appreciate them. Amen. So I want to say a big thank you to those guys for uh, putting it putting it out on the table for us and just, uh, you know, and I, you think... Uh, Um, man, uh, why didn't you speak? Because these guys can do it, and I just enjoy listening myself, amen? Uh, Because you know what? I may not always be here. I might get old and cranky, and you may have to come and wipe the drool off my face one day, who knows? And we need plenty of folks in line to speak the Word of God and teach the Word of God. I want to give you something that I gave you back at the beginning uh, and just kind of rehearse it for you today as we talk about the armor of God. And uh, so it... I talked about uh, oh, really the first a oh, few verses uh, before verse 14, and I kind of broke it down like this as some precepts about this uh, this whole idea of spiritual warfare. And so, with that in mind, Ike, if you're up there, let's get going. Uh, and and let me show you what I've got here. Is Ike even back there? Is okay. All right. I'm 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 just waiting for you. Got some problems. Okay. Do I need to keep going? Okay. All right. Uh, I gave you some, uh, some preliminary precepts before we ever got into the armor of God. And a precept is a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. So I gave you seven rules, preliminary insight about this warfare that we're involved in that you and I need to embrace. And the first one was the rule of preliminary import, or pardon me, primary importance. Because that's found in verse 10. He said, finally, my brethren, just for the note, how many of you know some of our last words to people ought to be our most important? So we learn even from that phrase, uh, hey, finally, my brethren, we 've got to embrace the real reality and the rule of primary importance to be prepared for war is of primary importance rule number two uh, was this the was the rule of supernatural outsourcing uh, here's a lot today about outsourcing you ever call uh, your cell company to ask a question and or, or whatever and you know you're talking to somebody in India somewhere they're outsourcing uh, in fact sometimes I go I I cannot understand you. You have to, I mean, it's just really bad. Uh, well, we've got to embrace that reality when it comes to the supernatural. He says, finally, my brethren, do what? Be strong where? Look at it. Verse 10, be strong where? In the Lord and in the what? The power of his might. You see, being victorious over the powers of darkness, you've got to embrace the rule, uh, the precept of supernatural outsourcing. You can't do this on your own. You can't, hey, it, it, we, we've got to have his power and authority in our life. Then the third one was this, the rule of proper Positioning. You see, if you're not positioned correctly, you'll be, in a, you'll be in, as we say, you'll be in a pickle when it comes to spiritual warfare. And he, he shares with us about our position. We are in the Lord. Be strong where? In the Lord. And you know, if you've heard me at all, you, uh, you've heard that little word, I-N, is one of the biggest words in the New Testament because it means fixed position. Everyone say, fixed position. See, the problem with a lot of of God's kids when it comes to battle, we don't stay fixed. We don't position ourselves in an offensive mode against the powers of darkness and get fixed in Christ. That's where I'm at. I'm in Christ. Then he says, and and stand therefore, taking your stand. It's a fixed position. We've got to embrace the proper position when it comes to being victorious over the powers of darkness. And then the fifth one, or pardon me, the fourth one that I gave you was the rule of adversarial insight. What are you talking about? Well, we've got to have insight to our enemies. In fact, the Bible says this. Paul said this in Corinthians. I can't quite quote the verse. He said, "We, we should not be ignorant of his devices we got to know our enemy. That's why he said, uh, hey, guess what? That you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the craftiness of the devil, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We've got to know the, the enemy's plans. You know, uh, I think of Elisha, who was always hearing the Syrian kings. Uh, I think it's the Syrians. He was always hearing in prayer the Syrian king's uh, plans for battle against Israel. And he'd go tell uh, Israel, and they would always spoil his plans. How many of you know, uh, from a spiritual perspective, uh, we've got to have insight to the enemy's tactics to be able to take our stand. It's the rule of adversarial insight. And then I gave you another one. It's the rule of proactive participation. How many of you know we've got to partner with God in his power and strength? And you see in this book here and in this passage that I read, it it requires our participation, proactive participation. Most people, after they've been slapped by the devil, go, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Most people, after they've been chewed up and spit out, they go, man, what happened? I need to figure out how to, uh, you know, get this monkey off my back. How many of you know if you're proactively prepared, you're going to be victorious over the devil? That's why we see Paul saying, take up, gird, put on, shod your feet. Taking, take, praying. In other words, we've got to take, we got to do our part when it comes to spiritual victory. That's the rule of proactive participation. And then, I, number six I gave you was the rule of overall application. Because he said, take up the whole armor of God. How many of you know every piece is vitally important to your spiritual success? Amen? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Uh, And and then tonight we're gonna talk about prayer. They're all vitally important. You can't pick and choose. You need to have them all operating in your life, amen? And then finally, the rule of complete commitment. We can't be half-hearted in this thing called spiritual warfare. We gotta be completely committed. He said, having done all to stand, stand there. That infers completely committed to this battle. Amen. So with that in mind, I'm going to finish off with one more precept, one more general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. And it is this, it's the rule of consistent and persistent prayer. Everyone say consistent and persistent prayer. Now, let me just read these verses to you again, and I'm going to make a statement to you that you may need to write down or tweet or whatever you want to do. Ephesians six eighteen and 19, as he's closing out the armor of God, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints and for me. In other words, pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to, to, to make known the mystery of Of the gospel. He's talking about the power of prayer that is so vitally important. And here's something you may want to write down. It's very simple, and it is this consistent victory over the powers of darkness will always require consistent and persistent, spirit led, power packed prayer. Let me read it again. You can't get around this. Listen, you can't miss. A base here. It, remember, it's the rule of overall application. You, they're all vitally important, and and he caps all this off with uh, a real insight into how all these things really begin to work. Consistent victory over the powers of darkness will always require consistent and persistent spirit-led, power-packed prayer, not mediocre praying. Not now. I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's what my daddy, my daddy, he didn't teach me much about prayer, but he taught me that. And he taught me another one. When he'd pray for food, he'd say, bless it, guide it, and hide it, amen. I'm not talking about that kind of praying. I'm talking about a consistent, persistent prayer life. And as we close tonight, you and I are going to be a little amazed at where the focus of this consistent, persistent prayer life needs to land. So with that in mind, I'm just going to break these verses down. I'm going to teach you a little Bible, a little verse by verse, a little phrase by phrase. And I think I've got some things that'll help you tonight. How many of you want some things that'll help you tonight in your prayer life? Uh, you know, I'm, I can't hit the, I can't hit the totality of a consistent, persistent, spirit-led prayer life tonight, but I can give you some insight tonight that'll help you begin to pray more effectively and more, uh, victoriously, uh, uh, in your prayer life. Uh, But it has to be consistent. Now, let's just look at the first two words of that verse. Praying always. Everyone say praying always. Now, let me let you off the hook tonight. That does not mean that you should be praying 24-7 all the time. Somebody go. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying as much as you can pray. But he's talking to the church, by the way. And so he's not talking to one person and say, your job is to pray 24-7. He's not talking about uh, uh, times and days. He's not, that's not what he's talking about. I'm going to break it down for you. The, the, in fact, the word always, it's kind of two or three Greek words put together, and I'm just going to give you one. Uh, Because there's some of the the words mean consistently, just like what we're talking, always being consistent. It should be something consistent in your life. But one of the words that it's coupled in to make this word always, here in the Greek, is kairos. Everyone say kairos. Now, if you've been around very much with me, you know that I've taught this before. There are really two words in Greek that are translated time. Everybody go tick-tock, tick-tock. And it's one, uh, one is chronos. How many of you know what chronos is? It's minutes, seconds, hours, days, weeks, months, years. That's chronology. That's chronos. There's another word that's translated time called kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. And it's not chronos. It's a season of opportunity. It's, and in some cases, it's a God moment of opportunity. You ever heard the thought, seize the day? You've heard that phrase? You know, that's kind of the thought. It's, he's not talking about a chronological day. He's talking about the moment of opportunity, right? And that's what this word is here. And it's blended in with this praying always. Now stay with me here, because today, when I saw this, and I've looked at this many times, when I saw this, it just helped me a little bit. He's saying when he said, "Praying always, uh, and, and what he's saying is, praying with Kairos in mind. Not chrono, not 24 /7 Chronos, but your prayer has to be in season. How many of you know there are different seasons and times that require different types of praying? Are you with me? Anybody think of an illustration? I'm telling you, you know, uh, election times, all of a sudden, man, every, the prayer it's a different type of prayer. It's a seasonal type of thing. And Paul the Apostle was talking about spiritual warfare. And he says this, praying always. Praying always. In in sync, if you will, with the season that's going on in your life, or with what's going on in the spiritual atmosphere. In other words, when 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 something's going on in the heavenlies, we've got to be in sync with what's going on and be able to pray effectively uh, in that season. Does that make sense to you? If it makes sense to you, kind of give me a little head shake here, and, and 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 that's what he's saying. Get, and this is what I wrote down. I think it's it. it kind of helps get into the consistent flow of prayer that is necessary for the kairos season we are in consistent praying that is in sync with the season now i think of the sons of issachar anybody ever heard of the sons of issachar well, you can read about them. It's only one verse. The sons of Issachar in First Chronicles chapter 12. In fact, I want you to turn over there. This is going to bless you. First Chronicles chapter 12 talks about the sons of Issachar. And what was it special about the sons of Issachar? Verse 32. Highlight it. Write it down. And of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times, To know what Israel ought to do. I believe God wants us, in a sense, in our prayer life, to have enough spiritual, intuitive understanding that we have a little Issachar anointing on us, that when we're praying, we're praying in sync with what the Spirit of God is wanting to do in our life and, and what is going on in the spirit realm all around us. Are you catching it? Look up at me and say, I'm catching it. And so, man. That's so important, and we're going to build on that in a minute, and, I'm going to, and he's going to show us how we can do that in just a moment. Uh, in fact, uh, that's a whole new understanding for me. When I think about spiritual warfare, I've got to be in tune with what's going on in the heavenlies. Remember Elisha's servant that we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, he didn't know what was going on in the heavenly. He didn't have a bigger picture perspective, did he? And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the hills, were he was surrounded, right? By the chariots of fire and the, and the armies of God all around. And there were more with them than there were from the Syrian army. And so, hey, he had, he had a little Issachar anointing. He had a prophetic anointing. He began to see some things in the spirit realm. How many of you know when you see better, you can pray better? Okay? In fact... I'm going to show you something in a minute. Even if you can't see, you can still pray and be in the spirit and the flow of what God is doing. Even if you don't know what's going on, you can pray in an attitude and that, that'll be impacting into the heavenlies even when you don't know what's going on. You can be effective at the place of prayer. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Let me show you one more verse that I think pretty much dovetails with this. It's right here in Ephesians, close to Ephesians 6. Look in Ephesians 5, verse 15. Look what Paul says, See then that you walk circumspectly, that means wisely, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the what? Somebody say it out loud, redeeming the time, for the what? The days are what? Evil. In other words, we're living in an evil time, so you've got to redeem, make the most of your, uh uh-oh, kairos. Of what's going on in the spirit realm. And I find this kind of interesting here. This is coupled pretty close to the finally my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. uh, And put on the whole armor of God. And so, uh, so effective warriors. Victorious saints. They're in sync with the times. Especially at the place of prayer. Now. In a sense, I don't want to be praying about all the wrong things. I don't want to be wasting good, valuable time praying in a way that is not in sync with the will of God. And look what he goes on to say in verse 17. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so God's looking for people Saints of God, who are going to take on the whole armor of God, who are going to redeem the time, understand the season therein, and begin to pray accordingly. Who, I like that. That's good for me. Somebody say, "Amen." In some ways, I'm not sure you caught it. I think I've caught it. Nobody else has, and I'm. I just want to hang out here till I make sure you caught this a little bit. How many of you say I'm catching it, Pastor? Okay, good. Uh, All right. And and I apologize we're having computer issues, and so uh, you're just going to have to trust me here. Uh, So, praying always. Praying in sync with the season. And then he gives kind of the how we're going to do that. The method by which we do that. For he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Everyone say, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, that word with kind of denotes methodology. He just said, okay, he's praying always. The word with kind of infers, this is how you're gonna be able to do that. This is how you're gonna be able to get in sync and and in harmony and in, in tune with what's going on in the spirit realm to be able to cause your prayers to be impactful. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. The word prayer here certainly denotes talking to God, but it has as one of its applications of its root word is one of praise. How many of you know the scripture teaches that a big part of prayer and fellowship with God involves praise and worship? So here you go. The methodology to get in the flow and in sync With the season of what God is doing around you or potentially in your family or potentially in your community or potentially in your nation or potentially in your world. The the way you begin to get in sync and in flow, it begins with prayer and that prayer is really an attitude and an atmosphere of worship and praise in your life. We see this in Scripture In fact, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught us to pray in Matthew 6, what did he say? This is how you begin. This is a good way to pray. It's a prayer outline. It's not a prayer per se. It's a prayer outline. He said, when you start praying, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, you begin your prayer time at the place of worship and praise. And it'll put you, it'll begin to put you in sync with what God wants you to pray about or how he wants you to pray or you begin to pray effectively in the spirit so that that it, it it's in the inference the strong inference of praise what did what what psalm 100 psalm 100 say i will enter his gates with what thanksgiving and into his courts with praise listen just on a just let, let me give this illustration my grandson is already really smart. He's not five yet, but he's smart. He crawled up in my lap the other day, and I just thinking, and, and, and I, had the, I had the remote right, right there, but TV wasn't on. He crawled up in my lap, and he said, I love you, Papa. I said, I love you, Ty. And I'm just thinking, and he, and he is very loving, but I saw him eyeballing the remote, and he said, can I watch TV? Now, sure you can watch TV. He has, we got all these. Now, he had enough sense to know that to gain Papa's favor, you can't show up rude, crude, and sociably unfittable. Did you know a lot of people's prayers are, hey, it could be considered rude, crude, sociably unfittable? Dear Lord, I need this. Dear Lord, you got to do something now. Dear Lord, you better, oh, if you don't, why? How I many of you know that's rude? Look at your neighbor and say, that's rude praying. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about another part uh, where it's not rude to ask. It's not rude to ask, but it's rude to just be rude. i tell you, when you think about prayer, uh, hey, you're not doing some. Some spiritual uh, calisthenic. You're talking to God Almighty. And He's worthy of all our praise. So, hey, how do we get in sink and flow? We do it by we enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Amen. Let me, hey, turn over. Turn Ooh, I better not. I Yeah, I was going to give you an illustration. Well, let me go ahead and do it. I think I can speed up. Look over in Acts chapter 4. I haven't done this in like seven weeks, man. So I got it all pent up on the inside of me. Look at Acts chapter four. You know what's just happened? The church has been born and persecution has hit and people are getting persecuted a little bit and called in on the religious carpet. And so the church begins to pray. Okay, persecution. They start praying. You get the picture? If you get the picture, look up at me and smile. You get the picture? Yeah, persecution, I better start praying. And so they gathered together and they started praying. And it says this, verse 24. So when they heard that, talking about the persecution, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. You know what they they began their prayer with? Declaration of God and His and and worship and praise and 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 confession of who He was in their life. They had enough sense to know that you even when persecution is hitting, you don't come into God's presence and just say, Lord, deliver us from this persecution. In fact, they went on in prayer, verse 29, they said, Lord, look on their threats and grant that your bondservants with all boldness may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may done through the holy name of your servant Jesus. Now, let me just stop and say, they were in sync right there. They were not going, help me, Jesus, oh, Lord, somebody hurt me. I need $20. Uh, Come on now. They were way beyond that. And they said, we just want more boldness. You keep healing people and that signs and wonders may be done through your holy Holy servant Jesus. And it says, when they prayed, the whole place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Ghost began to speak the word of God in boldness. How many of you know that was God's little Holy Ghost? <sighs> I'm with you. You're in sync. You got it? Oh, that's it. that just tickles me. All right. So so you enter with praise. And then it says, with all prayer and supplication. Now, there's where, and that's, hey, that that word, the, the word prayer inferred praise Supplication has to do with petition. And Matthew 6, if you read through there, he says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Those are petitions. There's there's nothing wrong with petition. There has to be the priority of how these things work. And if you want to get in sync, you've got to keep those things in sync in your life. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses and all those things. They're petitions from God. God wants us to ask him for things. We'll see that in other places. So you... The methodology of getting in sync: you praise him, and then you ask position a uh, petition, and then uh, and and here's the in supplication. Here's that word again: in the spirit. Now there's that that little word in that infers position. You've got to find yourself fixed in the right position in the spirit. So the spirit is where the power is, right? So here's four words, praise, petition, position, and power. Everyone say praise. Everyone say petition. Everyone say position. Everyone say power. You pray in the spirit. Now, I'm going to show you a verse in a moment in Romans 8 about praying in the spirit. And I'll give you a little quick uh, thoughts on that. But let me just say this first. Praying in the Spirit is not just about praying in a prayer language. It's getting in right position and in the flow of the Spirit of God and the will of God. Go back to the four. Hey, don't be unwise, but understand in Ephesians 5 what the will of the Lord is. You get in the flow. You get in the the vein of, of God's presence and power in your life through worship and praise. And then you bring your petition and you find yourself fixed in the flow of the Spirit, where the power is, and my friend understands something, that's the kind of prayer God can begin to answer in your life. Whoo! How many of you think we ought to lift our prayer life to a whole new level? Now, if you want to be consistently victorious, this is the kind of praying I need to move into. It's a prayer power that, that, that moves. Get in the Spirit and begin to pray. And God will give us things to pray for. And we'll, we'll be like sons of Issachar who know what's going on in the Spirit realm and we're able to pray in that vein. Now, now turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I went the wrong way. I'm the only guy that ever does that. Romans 8. Paul the Apostle says this in verse 28. He says this, Likewise the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know how we should pr- uh, for we let me start over, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The spirit of God in you knows what to pray for. And when you get into the Spirit, let me tell you something, the Spirit can lead you at the place of prayer. Now, on the other side of the coin, there is a prayer language that we can pray. When we don't know what to pray for, we pray in our prayer language, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm telling you, my friend, it moves the hand of God. Jude 20 says, build yourself up on the most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. Paul the Apostle said, I thank God I pray in in tongues more than you all. Don't be a demeanor of the gift of tongues. Be an embracer. It's a whole new way to pray. When you don't know how to pray, you pray in the Spirit. You know what Paul the Apostle who knew? Oh, a number of different languages and dialects. He was a sharp cookie. I'm telling you right now. He said, I pray in tongues more than you all. We don't know how to pray as we ought. You say, well, I've never prayed in tongues. I'd go home tonight and I'd bow down by my bed and say, Jesus, I'm not getting up till you give it to me. Well, I, maybe he doesn't want to get, uh, give it to me. Well, then why would Paul the apostle said, I would that you all prayed in tongues. If you ask, in fact, there's a passage, if you, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I'm telling you, if you want to be an impactful prayer warrior, you've got to know how to pray in the un- and that's what Paul said. We'll pray with the understanding, and we'll pray uh, in the Spirit as well. We're going to use both. It takes both. How many of you, you, you want more than one bullet in your gun? How many of you want to be fully loaded? You don't want to be Barney Fife in the spirit, do you? Where's my bullet? Where's my bullet? What did Pastor Sam say? What did I do? Uh, I'm find my bullet. I, I got to be... Re- Most of you young people don't know who Barney Fife is. God bless your soul. You need to get saved. We've got to be fully loaded. And so, amen. So, praise, petition, position, and power. That's the methodology of getting in sync with the season. Uh, get in the flow of the spirit and worship and praise. And once you're in the flow, you can begin to make. Be, you can begin to make that supplication, those petitions before God, and God will begin to begin to anoint that prayer time that you have. And then He kind of builds on it. If you go back to Ephesians, He said this: praying always with pro, all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And oh, by the way, being watchful. Everyone say, being watchful. This phrase, pardon me. This phrase means stay spiritually awake. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. Don't become lethargic spiritually. If you're going to be victorious, consistently victorious. In in, how many of you, in a battle, in a fight, you don't want to fall asleep? That's just ludicrous. If you're in hand-to-hand combat. The last thing you're thinking about is sleep. But from a spiritual perspective, let me tell you something. There's all kinds of little things that lull us to sleep, that distract us and cause us to become lethargic spiritually. And we just, uh, you know, and the scripture, Jesus said, hey, be watchful. Gosh, I don't I don't have time to read these verses to you, but Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Luke 21, 36, uh, uh, both of them are passages of scripture where Jesus said, be watchful when you pray be watchful don't fall asleep at the prayer place and let me just throw this out at you when you get in sync and in the flow I mean when you're really in this and I'm not saying every prayer time you have is going to be fireworks spiritually how many of you know when you know you're in the flow how many of you know when you're not in the flow and you probably know why you're not in the flow and so, hey, uh, uh, I'm not saying ever, ever prayer time is going to be just, you know, explosions and fireworks. But I'm telling you that when you get in the flow, okay, it, you're going to be able to be more watchful spiritually. You're going to have discernment. I'm a diabetic. It's, I'm not confessing that as something negative over me. It's just the truth. I tried when, after I was diagnosed to, to claim it and name it. I'm still not healed thank God for medication Uh, but here's what happens when when I don't eat right and my blood sugar goes up I can tell I know when my blood sugar is over 160 or 70 number one I'm lethargic number two I'm cranky number three and you don't want this I don't give a hoot about you Let's be honest. When my blood sugar goes up, I'm apathetic. I'm lethargic. And I was thinking about that today. What happened? Why do I get that way? Because I digest things I shouldn't. Because I'm letting unhealthy influences into my world. I, ate a coke, I drank a coconut shake at Fuddruckers yesterday. I split it with my wife. I thought that was okay. It was not. And when you get the world's greatest offer, they give you a cookie too. Good Lord, help me, Jesus. I had a cookie and a shake. I got home. I was... Now, let me know that applies to us personally in our prayer life and in our spiritual walk with God. We can, and that's why he said, being watchful, stay spiritually awake. That's the kind of people who are victorious. Those kind of people who, who stay spiritually in tune and spiritually awake. And then, of course, as I inferred with uh, uh, what I said, uh, the statement I made about consistent prayer and persistent prayer, he said, being watchful to this end, what? With all perseverance. Everyone say, for all with all perseverance and supplication. How many of you know perseverance, You just, that, that means you just stay with it. Everybody say you stay with it. Some people have this philosophy. Well, I asked him once uh, and nothing happened. Uh, how many of you know the Scripture says, in fact, there's a passage of Scripture where Jesus said uh, in Matthew 6 and a couple of Gospels where you, if you ask, it will be given unto you. If you knock, it will be opened unto you. And what's the other one? If you seek, you'll find. The Greek rendering for those three things, he's talking about prayer, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. In other words, he's teaching persistence at the place of prayer, okay? This is not, this is not hit and miss stuff. Now, if you want to be mediocre in your victory, be me- mediocre in your prayer life. But if you want to really get the victory and start moving into the vein and the flow of the Spirit of God and making a big difference in the world at the place of prayer, you got to get consistent in this thing. Are you with me? Say amen. Jesus, every day, He rose a great while before day and went out and there He prayed. Amen. You know, I read in the Scripture when I was young in the Lord... When, when you pray, go in, Matthew 6, go into your closet. When you shut the door, pray to your Father in secret. Your Father who sees in secret, he'll reward you openly. So I just obeyed the Lord. I went in and, and I cleared out the bottom of my closet and got all my dirty, stinky tennis shoes at the other end. And I had a little spot on one end of the closet. where It was where you used to put shoes. I put my and I got my little light up there and I had me a little prayer closet. I thought I was really spiritual. But the reality is you find a place, you find the place for you, and you get consistent at the place of prayer. But preacher, you don't know my schedule. Well, think about Jesus' schedule. He walked everywhere he went. Time he got to ministry, opportunity, he was whoa, smack dab out. Come on now, let's be honest. You talk about schedule, he had a schedule. Well, come on. I'm, talk, I'm talking to people who want to make a difference at the place of prayer, who want to, who want to do, the de- do the devil much harm. How many of you know he's rubbed your nose in it long enough? Come on now. However long you've been alive for, you really started walking with God, he just, he just abused you and he maligned you and he tricked you, he trapped you, he hurt you, he pained you. I tell you what, I'm ready to give it back come on now get that Popeye anointing Rebecca what's the Popeye anointing you don't know come on I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more I'm about to rub his nose in it and you know why I believe he's still around not to torment us so we can torment him and you can, do, you can do him a world of hurt at the place of prayer if you, if you catch on to this. He said, Being per, uh, persevering with all prayer and supplication. Luke 11, Jesus taught persistence at the place of prayer. Uh, in fact, it's a great, he, he gives an illustration after he says ask and keep on asking and knock. He said, uh, which of you, after you've gone to bed and turned out in the light, a neighbor comes knocking on the door, and he's knocking, and he says, and you look out your window and say, what? And this is my translation, or my paraphrase. What the heck are you doing? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I got company coming, and I need you to lend me some bread. Go home. Come back at a decent hour. And you go back to bed, and you hear, Which of you, if he just kept on knocking would finally not just get up and give him what he wanted? Just to shut him up. Paul said, pardon me, Jesus said, that's what persistent prayer is. You just keep knocking and keep asking. And just on the basis level, hey, you'll irritate me enough where I'll just get up and do what you want me to do. He's teaching us to be persistent at the place of prayer and not quit and not give up. I'm convinced that people quit too quick. Just before the dawn, before the breakthrough, people throw in the towel at the place of prayer. You've heard the old phrase, you got to pray through, brother. You ever heard that? You got to pray that thing through. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody never heard that? Okay. You never heard it? You got to pray through? Well, you know how, what that means? You pray till you get the breakthrough. You war till you know in the spirit realm, I've made a breakthrough. Amen. How many of you love the breakthrough? Okay. So, hey, that's perseverance. And here we're going to close. This blows my mind. Because this is contrary to the nature of most Christians. And it's the focus of our prayers. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Can I be honest? The focus of most of our prayers are not for others, are they? Come on. Paul the apostle said, if you want to be victorious, if you want to really be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and be victorious over the devil, your prayer life has got to mature to the point where it's not about you. Now, I don't think Paul's saying we should stop ever praying for ourselves. But it's interesting to me too He doesn't say pray for the lost people Finally my brethren Pray for all the lost people you can find Or all the hurting needy people He doesn't even say You pray for the saints Now here's what I believe the focus is When we get the reality Of the power of the church Beginning to rise up And beginning to get in the flow and the sink of the Holy Ghost Guess what They're not going to be issue with lost people when the church gets empowered and undergirded at the place of prayer, when missionaries around the world—oh—and he says it's not just for our church, but for all the saints. Now, who oh, blows my mind? I can't get it. You mean the focus of my life is not about me, but it's about the whole world? Oh yes. I'm sorry. I'm preaching now. I Man, I'm telling you, this is just getting all over me. I'm going. Oh God, I'm not there. I'm not there. I've already confessed a couple of months ago that God said, uh, why don't you ask me something, I want, ask me for something that I want you to do. All you do is ask me for what to say. All you care about is what to say. I want to tell you some things to do. Oh, okay, all right. In other words, grow up at the place of prayer and realize That if you want to make a difference in the world and put the devil to flight, you know what? Y'all know I'm a Facebooker, right? But I get all irritated at Christians who get on there and they just moan and complain about the condition of the world. And the condition of our politics. and, And they, you know, they're just... and there's nothing wrong with being political hey I'm not being I'm I'm just saying hey you want to be a mover and shaker in in politics you want to be a mover and shaker in this world you want to you want to you want to push back the darkness you get into the sink of prayer and you start praying for the church that God would strengthen the church and empower the church and oh let me get let me get a little self-serving here and then Paul said oh by the way and don't forget to pray for me that what I'm doing and, and, and you know where he was in prison house he didn't say, pray that that, that that I would be delivered out of my prison like Peter was delivered. If Peter got delivered supernaturally from prison, maybe I should have got supernaturally delivered. No, I didn't know. He said, just pray that, hey, I'm a, I'm a slave here, but pray that, that I would be able to open my mouth and proclaim boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was nothing about him, that it was all about others. And I want to challenge you as I'm being challenged by the Spirit of God to begin to retune and refocus our prayer life to a place where we make a difference in somebody else's life, praying for all the saints. Pray for our missionaries. You know, every Sunday we we put one of our missionaries up there. And you know what? It's probably already gotten kind of mundane to you. Oh. There's, you know, our African missionaries. Lord bless them. Jesus, never think another word about them. But wouldn't it be something if people took their bulletins home every week and bombarded heaven for our missionary and all the people they're making a difference in their lives, push back the darkness in Africa and Haiti. First time I went to Haiti, well, only time I went to Haiti, maybe twice. One time I went to Haiti, I was so naive about what Haiti was like. We pulled in kind of after dark into our hotel and there was this wall up there and on top of the wall they had barbed wire and glass and things to keep people out. And above the wall across the way was this big old doll in the tree. I'm going, and there's another big old doll, ugly doll in the tree. And I'm going, finally I said, Jay, (laughs) I hate to be stupid, but what are these people hanging these ugly dolls in their trees? He looked at me and said, it's voodoo. It's the national religion around here. Voodoo. I said, "Ooh, voodoo." Those guys are battling devils. I'm talking devils. I saw My lord, this big conference. These devil. I'm talking. I'm talking devils. I don't know if you've ever had the joy and opportunity. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about a real devil here. I met a few. They don't talk normal. They do crazy things on the ground. They growl and spit and sputter and foam at the mouth. And you know what happens when you speak the name of Jesus over them? Boom, they come out. And here's the sad thing, and I'm going to close. I haven't got on my soapbox. Every morning in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, at Church on the Rock, Port-au-Prince, 800 to 1,000 Haitians are bombarding heaven for you. Every morning. Maybe they need to send missionaries to America. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, let's lift up our hearts and our hands one more time. God, help us to be prayer warriors. Help us to get into the sink and the flow of the Holy Spirit and begin to bombard heaven for the souls of men and for the churches around the world, for the missionaries, for the saints all over the world. Give us a burden for the body of Christ at the place of prayer. And we know if we sow, Lord, prayers that have global implications, if we sow that to others, Lord, it'll come back to us. For whatever we sow, we'll also reap. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hallelujah. You know what? Now you're in trouble. You know why? Because now you're without excuse. You can't look at God ever again and say, I didn't know. Now we all have been empowered with the revelation of what kind of praying it takes to really make a difference in the earth. who? amen. God bless you, love somebody. And we'll see you Sunday. Well, pardon me, I won't be here. That doesn't mean you can't be here. Pastor Jim, or brother Jim's gonna be preaching. I'm gonna be on, actually gonna be in Quitman preaching at our former church. Uh, I'm not slacking. Uh, but you be here, be supportive. Uh, and let's have a great time next Sunday, amen.